Welcome to the Real Marathon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the best in film each and every week. I'm Rob Carraher. And I'm Danny Carraher. And we are now on to the second film in our modern day horror, a tour, uh, marathon. <laughs> and uh, the second film is also a Robert Eggers film, and that is The Lighthouse. Uh, the Lighthouse came out in 2019, and it sort of builds on this strange uh, horror environment that we haven't really seen on the screen um, until Robert Eggers came along. Uh, so, Danny, would you like to kind of introduce the premise of The Lighthouse for us? Sure. The premise is actually even more simple than the witch's premise. Uh, Two lighthouse keepers try to maintain their sanity while living on a remote and mysterious New England island in the 1890s. That is from our IMDb synopsis. Um, I think the only other thing that we could potentially add to that is that uh, this is um, a very conceptual movie. I think that Focusing on plot alone is probably not a good way to watch this movie. Um, and I have to say, and I, I'm going to just kind of jump right in, that this is was so much better this time watching it. I know this is your first time watching this movie. I watched this in theaters when it came out in 2019, and I liked it, but I just think it was so jarring in a way that I was not really prepared for it and uh again we've talked about how like just being able to read the subtitles as you go along can be really critical but I liked having that aspect of this I actually thought it was like funnier this time than I did the first time I was more trying to figure out what was going on the first time and I really liked this this movie this time around I give it nine out of ten stars um I'm excited to talk about why I ranked it so high, but before we get there, I want to know what was your very first reaction, because this is the first time you saw it, to The Lighthouse. Um, I gave it eight out of ten stars. I, I imagine this is the sort of film that uh, through repeated viewings, it may go up in score just as I have completely grounded myself in what is happening, because I think that's part of this first time experience is just trying to kind of figure out what exactly is happening and where the film is going in that guesswork. Um, it, it leaves you maybe a little disconnected from uh, the happenings of, of these characters. And uh, this is honestly, there's, I haven't seen anything quite like this movie. Um, it, it really challenges your understanding of what is actually happening and what may not be uh, real um, within, within this uh, universe that they have created. Um, and I think we talked a little bit about that with The Witch, that there's kind of this uh, concept of can you believe everything that you see? Mm -hmm. um, and in that, that film, there's, it's not as uh, 
there there isn't as many moments where that's the case as this film where basically when the entire movie gets over i'm not sure that you can fully uh believe anything <laughs> that you saw because yeah. of just the the kind of journey that it takes you on well and that's interesting we we talked about how with the witch there's definitely supernatural elements but there's a case to be made that everything that and i think it is true that everything that you see in the witch actually is happening yeah like i think that's the way we're supposed to interpret it this movie is almost maybe the exact opposite you you get to the end and you really question did any of that happen was any of that real and uh this is a movie you know we're both english teachers uh and we have to teach different ways of interpreting a story and this is like a really good text to look at from the about like the psychoanalysis of of these characters what what is causing them to um make the decisions they made is there something that's happened in these characters backstories that have forced them to be insane in this moment um and I think the reason why I liked it so much this time is I was not geared down by that and that just figuring out what was going on. So I could just like let my let my mind kind of run wild with the, all the potential interpretations of the movie. And I think this is that is to me what makes this such a valuable movie is it, it could mean a lot of different things. It could say a lot of different things. I I think if if I were to kind of make the case uh, for what, the, to me at least, what this movie is about. I think it's uh, primarily about a uh, struggle for um, power and how our struggles for power lead to consequences often. I know that sounds very general, but I think that uh, there are elements of char the characters backstories also what's happening in like the present of the story that is so clearly about kind of uh control of who has access to certain uh resources or certain uh, certain experiences uh, etc and the lighthouse being this thing that you know is almost like a um a siren that is calling them and that is true in the the uh, score and the sound design of this movie. There's these this foghorn that is played several times throughout the movie, and that's almost like this repetitive, almost siren that you you feel like you're being called, and it's driving you crazy. The monotony of it and all of that. So, I, I again, I think that this is just such a rich, very in-depth complex story that you can you can dig into and talk about which i'm excited to do here yeah i so i we've talked about this for um other films and i think that we both are very attracted to movies that after a first viewing it it kind of leaves you with a lot of questions and almost begs for you to have a repeated viewing of the film because there's so much to unpack. Um, I think a movie like The Green Knight um, mm -hmm. kind of fits in that. Um, a movie like A Ghost Story. Um, those, those types of movies where uh, they 
they have so much there and it is uh opens up kind of this world of disbelief um i i think that your interpretation is a very interesting one i don't disagree with it i also think that there is a little bit of uh, a a concept of knowledge and mm -hmm. once you kind of open up that knowledge you can't get it back mm -hmm. and uh throughout the entirety of this film um the robert pattison character uh he is gaining more knowledge as the the film goes on and uh it, it doesn't really bode well for him as it continues to to build um as we start to sort of spoil this uh i i read that these characters are based off of two greek myths mm -hmm. uh the myth of prometheus and mm -hmm. the myth of Prote proteus i think um and they they don't ever in greek mythology they they never are together uh but the fact that that Robert Eggers takes these kind of conceptual Greek uh, characters and put them puts them in the same story, kind of at odds with one another, as they both, um, even though they have a similar goal, they still are very different. But they both can't have what they want, and uh, I think that 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 is very. It's a very interesting concept because most of the time when you have two characters that are at odds with each other, um, they generally are going after the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And that is not the case in this story. And I think that that is uh, very complex. The fact that he was able to conceptualize that um, mm -hmm. shows just how good of a storyteller Robert Eggers is. And um just kind of the level that he is working on. Yeah, I I think that the um, this this is by far more conceptual than the witch, and uh, I actually think that that might be what he does best is the conceptual stuff. Because sometimes when movies are very conceptual, they can become sometimes they can become corny. Sometimes they can become uh, too over the top or pretentious. And I think the thing that really grounds the movie ultimately is the fact that he is so committed to the realism of the time period, right? And so again, a theme that is true of his movies is that he's dedicated to doing the research of the time period, even though this is based on Greek mythology, right? He yeah, yeah. is, he, he had a, uh, his actors read uh, literature of the time to get used to kind of the dialect. And, um, and he specifically wanted the set to look like something that would be at a lighthouse uh, at that time. What, what are you, what do you kind of think about the, just the groundedness of it? Well, it, it cracks me up how dedicated to the dialect and the language that he is. We saw it in uh, The Witch and how we, we talked about <clears throat> how it is almost imperative that you have subtitles because 
he is so dedicated to to the way that the language uh, presents itself. Um, and I think you you made you made a comment earlier about the comedy that's part of this film. And uh, there's a moment where Robert Pattinson's character even makes fun of the way that uh, that the uh, Willem Dafoe uh, character of Thomas is. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, the way that he is talking and how even in that time period uh, that he, he that seems like the language he is using is already too old and that he shouldn't be talking that way. And right. I just thought that was so funny because of how we perceive the way that they're talking um, and in the nuance between the way that Robert Pattinson's character talks and the way that Willem Dafoe's character talks. I can't, can't imagine writing this script and uh, being able to kind of different, differentiate, even though they both are kind of have that old timey uh, way of talking. Yeah. It, it's, it, and just in terms of the, the characters themselves, you get a pretty I mean like you because they're the only characters in the story you really get to see these characters develop and I would have to imagine that this was a really fun movie for them to act and I I think the I mean like this isn't like Oscar performance this is it's so out there it almost feels like experimental theater in some ways um but there's two scenes the one that you mentioned with Robert Pattinson where he he kind of is getting angry and he he's a pretty reserved character for the most part he doesn't talk a lot and when he does talk it's because uh the Willem Dafoe character has convinced him to drink and basically why'd you spill your beans Tommy (laughs) That, that, that so he spills his beans but then the uh, Willem Dafoe character has this moment where when, when uh, Robert Pattinson gets angry, he almost like has this monologue of like a, calling a storm or something he, in the way that it's lit and it's shine. It's the, the cameras up on him and the shadows are on his face. And it is like very kind of impressionistic and uh, uh, it leaves you feeling like uh this could be a movie like the, the because it is in black and white which we didn't mention to the stark contrast of that it it feels timeless in a lot of ways it seems like a movie that could have been made in like the 60s or 70s in like Europe or something like so experimental from that standpoint um I, I've already been kind of talking about the performances do you do you want to say anything about either or both of their performances well, they, they are both very different actors, um, but they are both very, very good at what they do. And uh, this is such a showcase, I think, for both of them um, mm-hmm. in a way where they just kind of get, he, he kind of just lets them loose. And I imagine that uh, just kind of knowing both of these actors that I, I imagine that Robert Eggers didn't do a ton of direction with them and kind of just let them play off of one another. Um, and and I, I think it 
it, it really works. Uh, you're right. These aren't, I wouldn't probably uh, be saying that either of these performances should have been nominated for an Oscar by any means, but they probably are uh, way above average performances. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, I can't really imagine many other actors being able to do this film. Um, I think that it was nearly perfect casting uh, just because they both have um, just aspects of their ability to perform that are unique to them. And it, it works. It just works for, for what is displayed on the screen. Well, and, and I want to talk about Willem Dafoe specifically here because he is a character that is, he's scary in this in ways he's funny in this in ways and I think his stature plays a big role in this he's actually quite a bit shorter than Robert Pattinson and you would kind of view the two and assume Robert Pattinson might be the more dominant of of the two of them but it's actually the Willem Dafoe character who has kind of all of the power on the island and uh with, with Robert Pattinson kind of being that Prometheus character who ends up, you know, kind of see, seeing the light and then facing the consequences being banished in a way at the end. Um, and that whole experience in the final uh, three minutes of the movie where he actually goes to the lighthouse, that is, you know, it, it maybe I don't know, maybe it, it lends credence to why the uh, Willem Dafoe character was so kind of insane or strange. Uh, it, but he was able to handle whatever the, the that experience was. You don't really know. And that's the kind of interesting thing about uh, the movie is you don't really know exactly what what went on with Robert Pattinson as he's screaming and the light is shining in his face. Yeah. 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 No, it feels this, this feels a lot like a piece of literature. Um, it does. And, uh, it, it's a sort of um, story where if I was younger and less interested in uh, kind of unpacking things, I probably would not have liked this would have been like what the heck is that um but there is such an appreciation for uh being able to really challenge us um and deliver a honestly really beautiful vision mm -hmm. uh the maybe this is a good place to kind of start to transition to talk about um, the way this film looks, uh, the, the aspect ratio is, uh, messed with. I don't know exactly what the ratio is. Um, like one to one six point sixteen or something like that. Yeah, so it's basically a square. Yeah. It's almost a square. Um, but, uh, it, it gives the film a different feel because of that. And it kind of places you in almost more of this old timey feel. Mm -hmm. um, and I know it is, that's what, kind of where it takes place, but there, he didn't have to do it that way. No. Um, and the fact that he drowns out uh, color 
um, and really just relies on the lighting of these scenes to have these contrasts, mm-hmm. I think is really interesting um, and kind of lends to the way that we interpret uh, the events that are taking place. Yeah, it's interesting that that um, aspect ratio does something I think that is really good for the movie is because it's tighter, you end up with a more claustrophobic feeling. And that is great for the experience of the movie being kind of stuck in this tight space. And they have the whole island, obviously, but they're, they're confined, they're trapped and they're there together. And, um, there are there are great scenes with both of them in frame you know and they they, it is tight because it is of that aspect ratio um i also think this is that aspect ratio i think is something that wes anderson has done before too and you end up with like centering people a lot in that square thing and he does that specifically with the robert pattinson character when he is dreaming it seems like that occurs frequently and so uh, th- that ends up being kind of a, uh, a way to signify that centering, signifying like maybe there's a difference between the reality and also what, what's happening in a dream. And then speaking of that dream sequence, they do kind of interesting, more creative set production-y stuff with how the ocean kind of moves in that. And there's a reoccurring mermaid <laughs> that is in in the movie uh has some strange sequences with um but yeah like that that is very interesting and also uh being very i think economical with how it's shot because i would imagine they didn't have to i, I imagine what the budget wasn't very high for this and they probably were able to, to make things look like they were at sea, but they did close-ups and tightened it to make it not seem as, as uh, or to make it easier to shoot, basically. So yeah, I, I, the cinematography is interesting. One thing you mentioned was that contrast with the black and white. I think that along with that, it's hard. You don't want to have like a lot of flat looking shots because there's not any color. Um, and they were able to show a range, a texture within that black and white still. And I think that that's hard to do. And it relies on really good lighting. Yeah. And a lot of this movie is dark. I mean, it takes place a lot in in candlelit type uh, settings. And we talked about this with the witch that Robert Eggers and his cinematographer, they, they seemingly are very, very good at uh, capturing dark environments and giving you everything that you need and making it so that what is happening isn't lost in that darkness, which uh, we, we discussed that, that that's a challenge. And there are movies that are really good movies, but just don't quite nail those scenes in, in darkness. Um, and yeah, Robert Eggers just has a, an eye for how to, uh, really illuminate his characters and the, uh, focus of these scenes, Mm -hmm. even though, uh, many of them are dark. And I, I think because this film is shot in, in black and white, it, uh, kind of highlights, 
um, these dark scenes a little bit more. Uh, like there, there are certain things I think that probably pop a little bit more simply because it is in black and white uh, and, and the, there's not co other colors that are kind of distracting from what uh, Robert Eggers is trying to have our eyes focus on. Right. I, I want to talk a little bit about the black and white in terms of it being kind of part of our our horror uh, series that we're doing this year. And I think that that's something that contributes to some of the spookiness of the movie, that if it were in color, it wouldn't have that same experience with. Yeah. Um, I, I want to use this as a way to kind of transition into the conversation we had about The Witch, which you brought up Stephen King's kind of three criteria for horror being gore, the horror level, so like the, the fantastical elements of it, and then the terror, so using your imagination to, to feel fear and be a, create that horror experience. Uh, on what levels do you feel like this movie is able to touch on each of those things? Um. I feel like this is definitely more of a terror level. Uh, they, they constantly are not showing you stuff um, and what is lurking um, and what potentially might happen is what makes this movie a horror movie. Mm -hmm. um, there are some kind of weird, uh, more fantastical images that they do show, but they are far and few between. And I think their main purpose, um, stuff like with the mermaid and there's a dead body um, that kind of brings us into the Robert Pattinson's character's uh, past. Mm -hmm. um, that are, their, their main purpose is simply to uh, kind of give us that background. It is not so much to scare us, but to develop this character more. There isn't a whole lot of kind of the gore. Um, there may be a few scenes. There's a scene where uh, Robert Pattinson um, destroys a bird. <laughs> Which is arguably one of the most gruesome killing of an animal scenes probably ever seen in a movie. Yeah, um, it's 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 kind of hard to watch it because you're thinking, no, no, what are you doing? But yeah. uh, I don't think Peto is probably very happy about that scene. Yeah, I, I imagine not. <laughs> um, and also, I don't think that, uh, although it never really gets referenced, like it's not like... Uh, Willem Dafoe's character ever really finds out that he does that, but uh, Willem Dafoe warns him not to mess with the bird. Well, and this brings up a theme that we've already seen with uh, the witch is yeah. seems like Robert Eggers likes sinister animals, you yeah. know, and animals that maybe have maybe that are more than just animals. Yeah. Um, and you get that see that feeling with the seagull. This movie could have been called the seagull you know <laughs> like it could have been it absolutely could have uh and it because i think that is emblematic of the kind of insanity that goes on in their um in their experience on the island uh i i think i would agree with you that this is a movie that relies a lot more on terror there's a there's a sequence that's pretty haunting i would say that uh, where Robert Eggers is kind of reminiscing about something that Robert Pattinson, right, right, yeah, Robert Pattinson, 
um, is reminiscing about something that apparently happened before he went to the the lighthouse and it has to do with his experience as a logger in Canada and like there's trauma there there's like definitely a, a backstory and I think that that's maybe what makes this effective is it's not terror for terror's sake it's terror that is st t still telling a story and that that's what I like about it I would it's hard to say that this movie is a horror movie though you know yeah I I think it's if anything it's more like psychological horror or oh I'm, am I running out of time what the heck yeah, I, thought I just saw that too <laughs> that's weird <laughs> um uh okay um anyway uh yeah so I think that that is a big a, a big part of this is a, it really plays on the psychological aspect of things. Um, and that just lends credence to probably one of my biggest uh, interpretations of the movie. And I am curious to know, I'm going to ask you first what you think and then, and, and I want to, clarify when I ask questions about what you think this means or whatever I honestly don't think it matters what it means I think what's more interesting is that there's possibilities for what the movie means and um but the the final shot of the movie is uh presumably Robert Pattinson's character being eaten alive by the seagulls yep what did you take that to signify um that kind of his ambition or uh his greed to go after whatever he's been kind of chasing in the top of that lighthouse um ultimately led to his downfall mm -hmm. um and uh yeah i mean it, it, it leads to kind of the death and in a way it's almost i think plays into sort of that revenge um, from the seagull that he kills earlier and yeah. maybe nature always always has the upper hand and it's always going to come back around and get you right and there I think that I mean like I I totally buy that interpretation and I believe it to because there isn't like a right interpretation to this movie that's like just one that seems right you know and uh there's definitely maybe a nature versus humans kind of narrative going on especially with there's a kind of a sea creature type thing in the lighthouse itself uh there's also the mermaid the seagulls all of it um what i have taken that last shot to kind of signify is like he is sitting there being eaten alive and like i have to imagine he is just going insane you know in that and I, I almost see the whole thing as maybe being just in his memory or maybe it's just in his head. Uh, there's the aspect that both, because you find out Robert Pattinson's name, real name is Thomas and the other character's name is Tommy and that maybe they're not two separate people, but they're different parts of this person's psyche. And I, I think that that is an interesting idea i don't know that there's nothing you could say yes this proves that there's nothing like that and so that's what i think actually makes it more interesting is you don't really have proof for it but there's definitely kind of the 
possibility for that that type of interpretation yeah i think this is a definitely a movie that is worth a, a rewatch um just to try to kind of keep picking up on some of the, the themes and maybe more of the nuances that are easy to miss the first time around. Um, so I, I am looking forward to eventually seeing it again and kind of being able to look at it through a lens of knowing how it ends um, and being able to kind of unpack that. It is a movie that I probably wouldn't recommend to the average movie watcher um so if you haven't seen it yet if you're not if you are not in for kind of a wild ride <laughs> um and for some kind of just weirdness uh then then you may not like it uh it, it, it's just it is not made for your typical uh, movie watcher yeah i would agree with that i would say if you're interested in robert eggers start with the witch and then decide based on how much you liked that to to watch the this one um i i do before we kind of wrap things up i want to ask you what do you think is something that is improved upon from the witch and what is something that you think he maybe he does better in the witch um i here's the thing in I graded the witch at a higher, a higher score. Mm -hmm. And I think that I really love the simplicity of, of the witch, even though there's a lot to unpack there as it sits, you can watch that movie just as a simple story that is kind of terrifying. Mm -hmm. um, the thing about the lighthouse is that it, it there's so much there that you have um, almost no choice but to try to unpack a bunch of different things. You can't right. just watch it as a simple film. Um, right. Otherwise it makes no sense at all. There's a lot there. So uh, I think that aspect of The Witch is really, really done well. The, the thing that I think that it improves upon is that uh, Everything is from the set piece to the way it looks um, to the concept. It's all growth. Uh, you can see that this is, you can definitely see the jump from the witch to this and this being a far more complicated um, piece of work. And he had a bigger budget. His budget was $11 million for this. Still not a gigantic budget, but uh, um you, less than the average for like an average movie right. these days so so uh he's he's continuing to improve his craft and uh this is a much more mature piece of work yeah i i would agree that i think the simplicity of the witch is maybe what is better about that movie i also would say that this movie has a lot to offer. The Lighthouse has a lot to offer in terms of interpretation, but when you get down to it, that interpretation might not ultimately say a lot about society. It might, it might, it might be rich for saying something about people or reflecting about people in a way, but it is pretty out there and it's kind of just fun to 
theorize and interpret and experience, I would say maybe the witch has a little bit more to offer in terms of it says something about the time period that it was made yeah. in, you know? Um, there's an argument to be made that the lighthouse could have very similar story elements, but take place in a different time period. You know what I mean? Um, so that doesn't feel as tied to it, but I would agree with what you said about just the production of it and just the complexity of the storytelling. Uh, it, it, the, the character details are all fully there. And I think it helps that you have two really great performers in the movie um, that you get to just focus on the whole time. Um, and not to say anything bad about any of the performers in The Witch, but you're dealing with younger actors for some of it. And uh, that can be a challenge. Um, in some ways, the, the Lighthouse 2 is a little bit simple in terms of its setting as well. So, yep. yeah. Um, either way, if you like great uh, cinema that is very creative, um, check it out. It's on Showtime, so you can check that out. The next film that we are going to be doing is the most recent release from Robert Eggers, which is The Northman. And uh, we're going to kind of see how he's even grown further from these two films uh, with that one. Um, so until then, have a great week and we will see you later. See you next time.